Good evening. Welcome to uh, Wednesday evening chapel. Just, I just need to ask you a question. Just, uh, what time does chapel happen next Wednesday night? Not at all. Okay, just making sure. Didn't want you to show up for no reason. It is our privilege to have Professor Joe Warrington as the preacher of the evening. Just everybody, just welcome Professor Joe. <clears throat> When, when he and I talked about this date, um, he said, oh, it's my birthday again. Because evidently last year, um, same days, or same date anyway. So before we begin, <laughs> happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you, happy birthday, Professor Warrington. He's, he's 39 and holding. Good. It, great to celebrate with him, right? Amen? I want us to start with our prayer. Stand and say it with me. Hear my Lord, purify me. One more time. Hear my Lord, purify me. And then now let's pray it. Hear my Lord, purify me. Amen. From the 24th Psalm. I will read the entire Psalm, but we'll focus on the first six verses tonight. But I'd like to read, if you don't mind, all ten of the verses. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it, for he founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to an idol or swear by what is false. He will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God his Savior. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, O God of Jacob. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord Almighty. He is the King of glory. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, the desire of our heart, the deepest longings of our heart tonight is to worship you, to love you, to bow before you, and thank you from the depths of our heart. You've created us for worship, O oh God. We are not our own. We've been bought with a price, the precious blood of Christ. 
And so you own us tonight, and Lord, we are so grateful for who you are. We pray, dear God, as we come before you, that you'd meet the needs of the hour, that you'd look deep down in our hearts and search us with the searchlight of the Spirit, and reveal to us, Lord, any need that we may have, that we may even be unaware of, so we may draw closer to you and truly worship you tonight. May our worship be holy. May what we give to you be truly a living sacrifice, O oh God, and we thank you tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. If I recall, as uh, Chaplain Lyke was reminding us, the last three years or so, I've had the privilege to preach on my birthday. So we've established, I think, a tradition. <laughs> so we'll see how, how long that goes. Um, amen. In, uh, and by the way, Clay, Clay's here tonight. I saw him. He also has a birthday today. Clay, yes. Good little friend of mine. Amen. And uh, let's see, Rick Chamberlain had a little baby girl born today, uh, Haley. I thought they were, they were going to call her Josephine, but they didn't take me up on that. Uh, but she was born this morning. In The Great Divorce, C.S. Lewis said, Throughout our lives, we're either growing closer to God or further from Him. If there ever was a time for us to draw closer to our Lord, it is now. As a matter of fact, this is the only time we have. Now. Yesterday is gone. Tomorrow may never be ours. But we have this moment. I remember that used to be a song years gone by. Our text this evening seeks to usher us into the very presence of God. Where we can truly worship and spend some time enjoying his divine presence. Some people read Psalm 23 and fail to read on to the next psalm because of the sheer grandeur and sublimity of the shepherd psalm. And we just park there. We never move on. I propose to you tonight that Psalm 24 holds its own with its revelatory force for anyone wishing to worship and drink from the deep wells of the divine presence. It is the prophetic word that finds fulfillment at Jacob's well when in discourse with the Samaritan woman, our Lord said to her, yet a time is coming. And now has come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. Jack Hayford tells the story or the event or relates the event of a Saturday afternoon he was leaving the sanctuary of his church called the Church on the Way in Van Nuys, California. 
if you know Jack Hayford, at least we sing one of his choruses that he wrote, Majesty, one of those great uh, uh, little choruses. He wrote that. And he said that Saturday afternoon as he was leaving the sanctuary, he had walked through, prayed for the folks that would come that next day to worship. And as he was leaving, he noticed a silvery mist that was floating above in the, in the sanctuary. And uh, it startled him for a while. He thought, well, there was no smog, and, and uh, what could this be? So he went into their prayer room to see if this thing was there as well, this silvery mist, and it wasn't. And the Lord, he said, the Lord spoke to him and he says, it is what you think it is. The glory, he said, of God's presence descended upon in that place that day. And he said, he just fell and continued to worship and love God. He said that was a turning point in the life of that great church. He said the next day the attendance almost doubled as people begin to flock this phenomenon that had happened. Remind me of the Shekinah glory in the temple of God the day it was dedicated. Or maybe it was the burning bush with Moses and the glory of God. In our psalm, this king of glory that we read about in the psalm wants us to experience this glory. His presence that is life-transforming, life-changing. Tonight I would, I would like to share with you at least the first two movements of this short psalm. We, we will not go into the verses, 10, uh, verses 7 through 10, but the first uh, two moves, verses 1 and 2, and the second move, verses 3 through 6. The historical setting for this psalm is, of course, the occasion when David, King David, takes the Ark of the Covenant from the home of Obed-Edom to Jerusalem, or Mount Zion. It is widely believed that the 24th psalm was the entrance liturgy of the celebration at the arrival of the Ark. In the first move, in verses 1 and 2, we see the undisputed right of the Creator. The undisputed right of the Creator. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all that live in it. For he founded it. He created everything. It brings us back to Genesis 1-1, doesn't it? In the beginning was, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. All creation then belongs to him. All that fills creation belongs to him. That includes all of humanity. All of us. Paul would put it a different way. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and on earth, visible 
and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. Colossians 1, 16. Paul, of course, is referring to the Lord Jesus Christ, the agent of creation. He further states in verse 19, For it pleased the Father that in him, in Christ, all the fullness should dwell. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory as the, of, as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. You see, the confession of God as Creator answers the question, whom do we worship? If he has created all things and is in charge of all things and, and he owns all things, including human beings, then we are to worship him. Whom do we worship? The answer is that we worship the God who made us. We were made for worship. To enjoy God and to love him and to serve him. As the latter part of this psalm will show, he is the glorious king, or the king of glory. He's not some localized deity of a, of a city-state, but he's the sovereign ruler of the entire universe, which is much too vast to wrap our minds around. This, my friend, is the foundation for the demand from God of holy worship. He is the Creator King. But the follow-up question is who may worship Him? Not only whom should we worship, but who may worship? And He gives us the prescription or the qualifications for worship. The unchangeable qualifications for worship we find in verses 3 through 6. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? Verse 3. The question is not a superficial one. Such as who may enter the tabernacle or who may visit God's holy hill. It's not a matter of a visit. Rather, who may live in the presence of God? Who can stand before him? Who can know him now and forever? In other words, who can dwell or abide in the presence of the glorious king? It raises the issue of permanence of our life in worship of this glorious king. Holy worship. In John 15, Jesus also calls us to dwell and abide in him. In both cases, it is about knowing God intimately and remaining with him eternally. The, question, the questions include matters of destination, God's presence, and the qualifications for going there. You see, to ascend the hill of the Lord, that is the mountain of Yahweh, Mount Zion, that's where he's calling us to come, his very presence. 
in Psalm 2 verse 6 regarded as a messianic psalm we read I have installed my king on Zion my holy hill of course the reference is to Christ who may who may worship him he who have clean hands and a pure heart who does not lift his soul to an idol you see it is from the purity of our hearts that true and holy worship comes blessed are the pure in heart our Lord said in the Sermon on the Mount for they for you shall see God for they shall see God blessed are the pure in heart they shall see God. I, I had an unforgettable experience watching an evangelist in the presence of God. I was a college student in Bible college uh, many, many years ago. As some of you were not even born yet. Back in the mid-70s. And uh, Reverend Don Pfeiffer was the evangelist at a camp meeting in southern Ohio. There were about 3,000 people in this open tabernacle. And as the service began and the singing, and, and then Reverend Pfeiffer came up to preach. And for the next 30 minutes, he never said a word. He just raised his hand looked up. I've never seen anyone hold up their hands for 30 minutes. I couldn't do it. But the glow of God, the glory of God began to pour upon his countenance as he gazed into the heaven. And all over this place there was a blessedness. And people began to wave and a shout. There was quietness and shouting all at the same time. It is indescribable. The presence of the holy, the glory of God, descended upon one man behind a pulpit. I have never seen anything since. I pray that I'll see it again. But folks began to come and respond to the presence of God down the aisle, confessing, crying out to God, Oh God, help me. There were folks who were saved that night, backsliders who were reclaimed, folks who were sanctified, and there, it just went on. And even after the 30 minutes, he never, he never preached. Folks began to sing, and the glory of God filled the temple. Hearts were cleansed. Uh, this was holy worship. And, and when I thought of this text for this evening, that was the imagery that came to my mind. As God is calling us before him in holy worship to experience him. To experience his 
fullness to experience his spirit in ways that we have never or if we have for a long time to bring renewal into our hearts and to our lives you see we must be holy to enter the holy place the one welcomed into the holy place is the one who has not lifted up his soul to an idol Exodus 23 in first of the commandments you shall have no other gods before me there may not be visible statutes in our lives but nonetheless the idols may take a variety of forms hear the words of the Apostle Paul as he writes to Timothy but know this in the last days perilous times will come for men will be lovers of themselves it's an idol lovers of money idol boasters say it with me idol blasphemers disobedience to parents unthankful unholy unloving unforgiving slanderers without self-control brutal despisers of good traitors headstrong haughty lovers of pleasure idol rather than lovers of God having a form of godliness but denying its power these are modern-day idols you shall have no other gods before me who has not lifted up his soul to an idol that comes before the great king the glorious king cleansed forgiven pure have not no dirty hands no dirty hearts to worship or swear by what is false verse 4 to swear deceitfully is to live a lie it is to be deceptive to one's neighbor in this these verses must stand before God holy and pure clean hands pure hearts that's loving God with all one's heart and all one's mind and not and have not sworn deceitfully or live a lie that not being deceptive to one's neighbor it is to love one's neighbor the essence Jesus said of the commandments of the law when someone asked him boil it down to us give us the essence of what it means what the law means what Torah means and he says love God with all your heart and with all your strength and to love your neighbor as yourself Matthew 22 with those qualifications you might be thinking I don't stand a chance before God 
uh, there on redeemed attitudes in my life. You, uh, you, you live life with a mixture of guilt and faith. Uh, I don't stand a chance to come before this qualification before a holy God. There are areas of, uh, and attitudes of sin which Satan has taken over, uh, which are dominated by the flesh. There are past hurts and memories uh, that we cannot seem to overcome or get over. This demand for holy worship is for folks that are much more advanced in spirituality than I am. I, I simply, uh, I feel crushed by the demands of such a, a God to come holy, pure, clean hands, have not sown deceitfully, no idols, nothing at all. Oh, I cannot, I cannot meet that. I am not worthy to approach him. You are right, none of us are. This demand does not have to crush us because Christ has made it possible to give us access into the very throne room of God, into the holy of holies, into the holy place and stand before him. Listen to the words of the Hebrew writer. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 12. And so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his own blood. You see, the cross is not only to justify us, the cross is also to sanctify us. Hallelujah. So we need not despair and say, I don't stand a chance. There is a perennial lack in my life. I, I just cannot come before God. Through the work of the Holy Spirit, Christ will cleanse our hearts. He will heal the past hurts and, and memories and, and that still shadow us. Oh, the scripture says, who the Son sets free is free indeed. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Somebody ought to say amen. We can be free. God can indeed qualify us to come into his presence. We cannot do this on our own. We are filthy rags. All of us have gone astray. There is nothing righteous about us. But in him, we are qualified to come into the very presence of the glorious king. He will receive blessing, the psalm says, from the Lord. Blessing. And this blessing is not so much material blessing. It is the very presence of God. Amen. Blessings are temporary. They're temporal. Material blessing, that is. They're temporal, flitting. But his presence speaks to the idea of permanence come before the Lord? Who will stand in his presence? Who will gaze upon the Lord? Permanence. Not just a visit. Not as a guest. Hallelujah. 
and vindication from God is from God his Savior. The word vindication carries the idea of righteousness. God will give us his righteousness. It comes from him. It comes from him. We receive his presence and we receive righteousness. Such is the generation, or such is the circle. The word generation has the idea of a circle or the assembly. Such is the people that come seeking the Lord, recognizing that he's the creator. He's made all things, including every one of us. We owe everything we have to him. The next breath you're going to take belongs to him. And therefore we come to worship him. These are the, 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 the folks, uh, those who seek your face, O God of Jacob, Israel, the generation that seeks him. You see, the blessing is, is his blessed presence. Vindication is his righteousness. And the righteousness described here is more than that imputed righteousness which comes when as sinners we repent and are justified. It's more than that. It's more than imputed. It is an actual, practical, imparted righteousness. He makes us righteous. It is a righteousness that characterizes our everyday living. Such righteousness flows from the pure stream from the heart that is made holy through the regenerating and sanctifying power of the Holy Spirit. It is possible to be holy. It's not just an ideal that we'll always be stretching for but never realize it in our own lives. Otherwise, it's just relative, is it? But it's real, it's actual, it's practical, it's everyday living so we can truly abide and worship our King and our God. That's what qualifies us to be able to ascend into the hill of the Lord Jehovah. This by no means imply a, a, a perfection of conduct. That's not what this is about. It is not a perfection of conduct, but a perfection of love and motive. Now, this we're hitting at the very heart of who we are as Nazarenes. It is not sinless perfection, but it is a heart made pure, flowing with the love of God. God does not require faultlessness from us, but he does require blamelessness. 1 Corinthians 1.8, 1, 1 Thessalonians 5.23, blamelessness. Righteousness from God will help us with that. Amen. In their historical setting, these verses in Psalm 24 refer to the priest who served in the tabernacle and bringing the ark of the Lord into Mount Zion. But in their broader interpretation, these verses, they apply to us all. You see, the condition for fellowship with God is always righteousness. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie. And do not the truth. John, 1 John 1 says. 
Holy worship informs our nearness to God. The scripture says we shall ascend into the hill of Jehovah. Nearness. It implies fellowship with God. We shall stand in his holy place, in the holy place. Fellowship. Not just pass by, but stand. It implies special blessing. He shall receive blessing, the scripture says. Increased righteousness. He shall receive righteousness from God. Holy people are welcome into the holy place before the Holy God. Oh, I wish I had more time tonight. But we got to pray. If you feel crushed by the demands of this little psalm, don't be. What he promises, he provides for. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, they shall be filled. I pray tonight you'll find a place to pray. Find a place to say, oh God, qualify me to stand in your presence if you are not yet qualified. We are not worthy, but we are grateful. He's here for us tonight. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's sing. Let's sing. Let's sing. song is the psalm you just heard. It may be a little new, so let's try it. Yeah. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you keep you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Shalom. Amen. Amen. You're dismissed.